The trend of people moving to freelance was obviously already happening, but COVID's just added rocket fuel to that fire. Hello and welcome to Grow Up, an APG Canada podcast where we give strategic thinkers and creative tinkers opportunities to grow. I'm your host, Michelle Lee, and today on the show, we're catching up with Trent Fulton, Chief Collaboration Officer at Yes And, which connects clients and agencies in need of project-based strategic planning with the most experienced, battle-tested freelance talent in the country. In the last two years, the industry has seen a massive uptick in full-time strategists transitioning to freelance. Part of this is because agencies in the early days of COVID made cuts that were perhaps deeper than they could later sustain. And part of this is a result of technology, remote work, and some choosing to balance their work life differently. Whatever the reason, both industry veterans and those newer in their career are finding that going out on their own is much more feasible and for some, even much more enjoyable. For all these reasons, we've brought Trent Fulton in today to talk about whether freelance is the future of strategy. Trent, welcome to the show. We're so excited to have you here. Please tell us a little bit about yourself and Yes And for those who don't know. Well, why don't I give you the little sort of strat line, the little pitch line, but then kind of pull it apart a bit to say where it came from and what's kind of meant to be, you know, captured in that. But it it is cool. It's this collaboration platform that connects freelance strategists with both agencies and clients who need project-based planning. Um, so again, that's the, that's the summation line. But really where it started from was like any good strategy, which where I had some insights into pain points I was having uh, as an agency sort of owner and, and leader, um, and then realized there was another side to that as well. So on my end, when I was running an agency, I knew how valuable strategic planning was, but it's also, you know, it's an expensive um, resource if it's not fully utilized. So what invariably ends up happening is a, an agency might have a one full-time, you know, senior planner, maybe um, with a sort of junior planner helping them out. But that person, when they get busy, can get very busy quickly. And so you're always needing to top up with freelance planning help. Um but the problem is you only you only know so many people in your sort of network. Uh, so the, the original thought was if I could make it easier uh, to access and, and see who's out there on a freelance planning basis, um, that's where it came from. But then talking to strategists um, who were already working in that freelance capacity, I realized their issue was, hey, they were open to more business development because their network likewise is only so big um, and a bit of a sense of community. I think that's one of the things I'm beginning talk more about that when you when you are on the freelance side and you've grown up in either a client or agency world and you're used to collaborating with people um which is what's so great about you know apg um is you, you miss that sense of community so was there a way that i could sort of create this platform this collaboration platform that really made it easier for uh, clients and agencies to connect with freelance strategists and then likewise made it easier for those freelance strategists to get access to business opportunities and feel a sense of sort of community uh, around them as well. That's, that's really interesting. So you, you've effectively created the zip car of strategy, like, it feels <laughs> like planning on demand is how exactly. I would, would shorthand yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. That's a good phrasing of it. And I'd say the other build on that as well is, which I didn't realize was the, the volume of clients out there that also want access to sort of, you know, planning on demand. Um, and it's not necessarily, you know, when you're in, when you're in an agency, you, you get sort of focused on the big clients, the sexy clients, but you realize 
what powers the Canadian economy is all these small to medium-sized businesses that are super successful, um, but reach a point in their life where they're, they're either growing and want to raise money, maybe even go public, or the categories got more competitive, or they want to get into digital and social channels, or they just want to redo their brand identity. And they likewise don't know where to start with an agency and, and how to reach out. And they don't necessarily want to bundle, you know, content and advertising with strategy because they're not even thinking that far down the, ra- the, the road. So I realize there's a whole bunch of clients out there that also want access to sort of on-demand um, strategy help. So so that's interesting. Like, what are you, what would you say you're witnessing on a high level as it relates to freelancing? Obviously, um, you know, we're specifically interested in, in strategy roles. I mean, you talked about some of the pain points and the insights and, you, you know, you've started to share some of those already. But even during COVID, what kind of changes have you noticed? Well, it's funny. I mean, it's the trend of people moving to freelance was obviously already happening, especially it's always there with sort of creative people. But, you know, you start started to see strategists uh, going that route as well. But COVID's just added rocket fuel to that fire. I think partly powered by tech, you know, people realizing that they can work remotely and successfully. Um, they don't just disappear and that it, it actually is, is real. And, and as obviously as the, the whole economy is changing and real estate and people are moving out to, you know, uh, sort of areas outside of big cities, like, you know, whether it's Hamilton or Burlington or wherever people are moving, they, they, the technology is allowing them to do that. But the other big thing is, you know, again, coming out of COVID is people have, reassessing their lives and they're taking control of their lives. And part of that is not just like strictly work-life balance in terms of how many hours I want to work, but it's what do I want to work on? I think people in the strategy world are being much more choiceful about the kind of things that they want to work on, whether that's a value-based thing, like, hey, I don't want to work on, you know, a beer brand or a cannabis brand, for, you know, or it's just what am I interested in? What like gets me going and what am I what am I excited by? So I think that's that's really sort of powering this move. Um, but it's 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 both ways. I mean, I I love this expression instead of gig economy or freelance economy, this idea of open talent economy, uh, playing off sort of open source software and what that did for work uh, or what that did for software, it's sort of this freelance movement's doing that for work, which is, you know. In the old model, staff was your biggest expense. It was seen as an expense and, and you had to manage that. But in this new world, talent is seen as an asset. And if you are realizing if you get the right person on the right project, it can supercharge that project and make the make it run more smoothly, make the outcome better in terms of the quality of the work that comes out at the end of it. Um, and I think for agencies, that's become an easy pitch to clients. It's like, we're not pretending we can do it all or we have it all in house, but we're going to build this crack team that's right for this job. Um, and so I think it's being powered on both sides of the sort of equation there. That's super interesting. And maybe because you said crack, <laughs> um, it made me think about it. And I think I might've mentioned this to you before. I didn't come up with this. It was brilliant. So I stole it. It was this notion of liquid talent, which I thought was so smart. Um, and no, and I also... Yeah, It'll, I like that because it's like it will flow where it needs to. You know, liquid goes where it needs to go, and I think that's what this is about. Talent will go where it needs to go, which which gets to I think the, the second part actually of what's powering this as well is specialization. That there is you know 
the secret source, I think, of yes and has become either category expertise, you know, often calls are, hey, do you have somebody who's got automotive experience, a farmer experience, a retail experience, or it's skill set? Do you have somebody who's got shopper marketing experience, a digital strategist, or, you know, um, a connections planner? And it's, and I think it's that specialization that, um, because, you know, we all know it's more complicated now, the whole, you know, way to reach audiences um, and create content. And so I think that specialization is super appealing to both agencies and clients. And and you said something earlier, which I thought was really interesting, because I think so many times um, agencies want to or feel they need to, you know, position themselves as having it all under one roof. They can do everything. Yeah. Um, and, and I love what I thought I heard you say, which is with some, there's a, there's a more honest conversation happening. Um, and, and no, no shame in that. I mean, you can almost kind of, it sounds like pull together your best team, your, of heavy hitters that can do the job instead of someone who's got to kind of like Google their way through it. hundred <laughs> um, percent. So, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I think agencies, you know, they need a core philosophy that still anchors the agency and how they think. Um, but when it comes to a specific client, a specific project, I think it's powerful to say, we want to be able to add value straight away. And so by adding the most value, we're, we're going to get somebody that's an expert in, you know, whatever the, the category is or an expert in whatever, you know, the t- type of deliverables might be. Um, and that they're right at the start of the process to make sure we're solving the right problem and that the creative that comes at the end of it is going to be bang on strategy, bang on brand. Um, again, I think that's a powerful um, piece of communications that agencies have now with clients. And and I think that's really interesting as well, because I've heard some agencies say in the past, um, you know, and, and whatever, different strokes for different folks, but they say like, you know, we don't really use freelancers because, you know, we want to build relationships with our clients and our clients want someone who's really going to be much more committed to the business and that, and that sort of thing. And yet what you're saying is, is perhaps a slightly different perspective, which is more, I mean, is, are you finding it's more, or maybe it's different in different cases where agencies are bringing in people when they have kind of a, a different type of problem that they've encountered before, or they just, they need different types of people that they don't have current casting for? I mean, I think it's a, it's a combination of things. I think obviously the whole world is more project-based and there's less, you know, less loyalty and clients are changing jobs more frequently and um, culture changes more frequently. So it's just the idea that there's one, you know, ongoing solution for that point in time has evaporated a little bit, but I also think for the core relationship piece, generally that is the account person and the account person can still be that ongoing, um, connection that a client has that, Hey, this person gets me and gets my company to get how we work. And so I don't need to re-educate somebody on that, but just like you being, bring in a creative team that you think is the right team and available at a point in time for a project, I think bringing in the right strategist that again, you, you, you pitch as this person understands your audience or your business or this deliverable better than anyone. Um, it just, seems, I think, the most compelling argument to, to clients. They're going to add value straight away. Yeah. And, and speaking of clients, actually, that sets up perfectly my next question, because I know that you don't just work with agencies, you also work directly with clients. But I'm curious as to what you're hearing 
from clients, both directly and I guess indirectly via agencies, their attitude and or changing perceptions towards, you know, freelance or this open network or liquid talent or whatever you want to call it? Well, I'll give you, you know, I'll give you another phrase that they play back to me, which we've all heard as well as fractional, like on the mm. client side, they've become familiar with the term of, you know, fractional positions, whether that's in finance, whether that's a sort of fractional CMO. So they just put that filter on it as well that, Hey, this is a, this is a fractional strategist that I just need to inject into where I am in my business right now. Um, they're not going to be here forever. I'm not getting a hundred percent of them, but they're going to come in and bring the, the expertise I need right now. Um, and again, like any, any company right now, they are cognizant of overhead. So they love the idea of, and you know, one of my the big selling points of yes, and is sort of experienced battle tested talent. That's, um, they, they probably wouldn't be able to access otherwise or a higher on an ongoing basis, but suddenly they can just inject them in. Um, when they need them the most, and then then it's over, and they they focus back on the sort of operational or the implementation side of of the strategy. That's really interesting because um, you know having and I mean we both come from a similar background in terms of having worked at agencies. Um, one of the struggles that I hear often in terms of being able to grow a department of strategists is, well, clients will never pay for that. How do you get clients to pay for that? And and it feels like what you're talking about is a much more kind of surgical or deliberate w- uh, way of using, of using strategy? Surgical. <laughs> and it is deliberate. And I think what's happened as well generally is planning used to be a catch-all, you know, there was it, it, because it wasn't maybe as developed um, in Canada potentially, or just by nature of budgets here, you couldn't afford to have a big planning staff in an agency. But what's happened? Oh, sorry, my, uh, my phone just, Siri just kicked in to answer a question. Um, but what's happened now is I think there's so many parts to whatever you want to call it, brand strategy. I, I And I look at it differently from a sort of agency and, and client side, but I kind of divided it into foundational campaign and channel. So the foundational stuff is what clients are interested in, which is, you know, what's my purpose? What's my positioning in market? What's my go-to-market strategy and core sort of core pillars what's my which often leads to what's my you know refreshing my brand identity and and i think clients see amazing value in getting you know injecting surgically injecting a super experienced planner that can help them with that because often while they're executing their marketing and and, and developing communications that sort of base i say foundational stuff needs someone that can really come in and have a broader perspective on the consumer and culture at large, as well as their sort of brand and their category. Um, and then the and a lot of agency stuff is more campaign based. It's, you know, help, helping develop a brand platform or creative strategy that ultimately gets to an idea. It's developing audience profiles and con- consumer journey mapping. Um, and, you know, often those are strategists that have worked in agencies and are used to working with creative teams and then the channel pieces, you know, everything from shopper marketing to digital and social strategies, um, connection planning. So it's really morphed, and, and that's why I think it is more surgical. Because depending on what you're looking for in that in that mix, you can just find, you know, a super experienced person and, and plug them in for for that point in time you need them. And then again, everybody moves on once that once that scope's complete. 
Hmm. And, and so I'm curious, um, you know, you know, wherever you were in your garage, maybe when you were first sketching this thing out and, and thinking what you would offer and how people might, um, receive it and how they might use it. I'm curious as to now that you have launched it, and I think you've been going for a few months now, how is your perspective or how has your, what you thought you were getting yourself into in terms of this new venture into freelance and, you know, playing a bit of a matchmaker and helping with this liquid talent and open uh, talent economy. How has what you thought you were getting into um, versus what you, what you really see now that you're there, how has that changed in terms again of, what you thought about freelance, what you thought clients and or agencies thought about freelance. Um, about I, mean, I think I'll give you the, the, the thing that sort of really reinforced. I mean, I actually remember exactly when I came up with it. I was up, up north at a cottage. I wasn't sleeping well. I got up at like six in the morning um, and wrote the name Yes And down on the on, when I was sitting on the couch uh, based on collaboration. Um, because I did think at the core, there was a gap between, you know, there's the agency offering those, these big sort of, um, business strategy consultants, everything from Deloitte to, um, you know, boutique firms like level five that are really good in that space. But that, that middle ground of brand strategy and collaboration, which meant building on what was there and working with different people, um, I think that has really resonated with people. I think what's been, a, a, I wouldn't say a surprise, but just great to see is in the freelance community, everybody is so supportive of each other. I mean, it's funny when you grow up in agency world, it's hyper competitive. You know, you're pitching, you, you beat other agencies. You get into the freelance community and everyone is just so supportive because back to that fostering a sense of community, I think we all feed off off that and supporting each other. And so, so many instances of where, and you're a great example of this, Michelle, of, of where, you know, you only have so much capacity individually. And if you're full and a client comes to you, you know, you're happy to call up and say, hey, I've got this opportunity. Do you know anyone else that could work on this? Because A, you want, to, you want that client to find a solution and B, you just want to support other people in the community. So I think... I had a notion that collaboration was the core of this, and I think it's been super nice to see that prove out. Um, on the surprise, on the other side, I, the, the client opportunities has really been the most interesting piece. I really was originally thinking of it from an agency perspective, um, but realizing it was an eye-opener for me. My whole life, I, you know, again, you're, you're looking for the big fish, as we used to call them, whether that's Labatt or Kraft or, you know, I, uh, Kraft Heinz or uh, Nike or, so, you know, big budgets, sexy clients, but again, realizing that there's so many successful medium-sized companies out there, as well as pure startups that really need finding help. And, and I think what's interesting is working in these industries that necessarily aren't what you would think as, you know, super interesting um, end up being some of the most uh, rewarding experiences, whether it's industrial or fintech or government, like they really value and respect what strategists bring to the table. And those initial sort of stakeholder interviews you have with founders of company are just super motivating to hear the journey these companies have been on and how they've built their business. And now they just need help with their brands. Awesome. 
That's really interesting to hear how, you know, kind of what going in you, you thought and, and, you know, kind of the reality uh, of the situation now and the things that, that you're learning and continuing to discover. A um, couple last questions for you. What do you know, if you're like kind of gazing into your crystal ball, what do you think the future of freelancing looks like? Again, um, particularly interested in strategy and I don't know what, like in five years from now. I think one of the, well, I'll, I'll start one place and go to another. I do think having a specialist um, area to focus on is key. You can still be a generalist because I think, you know, depending on the opportunity, smaller clients need you to kind of do a bit of everything. But I do think having some area that you're really good at um, is going to be a key point of difference. And that, again, that could be by category or that could be by I'm amazing at, you know, consumer journey mapping. Or I'm amazing at building go-to-market plans or I love developing core sort of purpose and positioning, you know, whatever it is that you think your expertise lies, um, doubling down on that, because I think that that's the way the the industry is going. We want people that can really lean into a sort of specialist part of the sort of brand strategy framework. Um, but adjacent to that, I think in the future and what I'm seeing is, is strategists working as teams. I, you know, that's come up a few times where both the strategists have said, hey, I'd love to work with so-and-so on this because we complement each other well. Um, and a, a few clients where that's been the right opportunity, whether it's because one strategist was really deep in that category and the other strategist was really deep in maybe digital and social planning or connections planning and, and they complemented each other well. But I think, you know, that's that is going to happen more and more, I think. Yeah, that's awesome. Because I, I think I've always been jealous of the copywriter art director relationship and the yeah. ability that they have to just like, sit around and bounce ideas off of each other. And I think, you know, you raised an important point earlier. I think the reason that so many of us enjoy the community that comes with or can come with um, working in strategies, because it can be actually a really lonely job, or, you know, you can be trying to solve a problem and be like, Am I smoking crack? Like I have no yeah. idea if this makes any sense. And it's it's so nice to be able to to work through with someone on that. Um, and I think part of that working through as well as teams of a strategist and a freelance creative person, because you know I think you know as well. Like some of the best strategies have been born out of bouncing stuff off and saying, you know sharing a thought with a creative person that just has a turn of phrase or a different way of thinking at it that makes it so much richer um, and probably connects the dots more quickly to the creative uh, territory it could move to. Um, so I think that combination of a strategist and a sort of creative person working together uh, is also going to be super interesting. Awesome. So the last question that I wanted to ask you, um, because I think I've, I've noticed and, you know, good to get your reflections as well. Like uh, back in the day, I felt like the people who became freelancers were usually like super seasoned. They'd been in the industry for, you know, 20 years. And it, um, you know, it feels like there's more and more freelancers, um, coming, uh, from all different levels. I guess that's part A of, of my question, if you're seeing that. And then Part B of my question would be, what would be the top three tips that you would give to someone who's thinking about going freelance? How do they even get started? I mean, on the part A, yeah, 100%. It used to be, you know, the path was you grow up in the account services side, you maybe go all the way up to a 
group account director, and then you move over to a strategy role. Um, I think that has changed. There's, there's a lot of people that have started in strategy. Um, I just talked to a great person, Eleanor, the other day, who's exactly that. It just started in strategy and um, was, you know, five years into her career and now had a very busy freelance um, job uh, where they, again, they just generally have a one area they focus on that during that sort of, you know, those first years have got great training of somebody and found they're really good at one part of the brand strategy mix. And again, sometimes like to work supporting um, another strategist, uh, but definitely uh, sort of a younger cohort now is in strategic planning. And I think what's also beneficial of that is there are different rates and, you know, sometimes a project from an agency is like, Hey, I want someone who's, super experienced and you know has all the depth and credibility that I need. Um, and other times it's like, no, we, we're just building on a, you know, maybe a campaign that's being cracked, but we're doing this year's iteration of it. And we just need a, um, a mid-level strategist to help work with our creative team to take that through to this year's campaign. And, and they don't, that agency doesn't want to pay the same rate. So it is good to have a selection of different experiences and different rates that, uh, people are looking for um and then b top tips uh well connected to that i would say you know don't think you need to have a flat rate you you, you can adjust your value or a, you know an hourly rate you can adjust your value to the opportunity um based on how motivated you are sometimes you may discount it because you really want to work on something um, or raise it because you're like, it's a grudge. It's a grudge job. You don't really want to work on it, but if it pays well, you will. Uh, but also how long is the engagement? Um, how profitable is that client? Do you think, you know, the agency, if the very profitable client would, would pay you know, a higher rate than normal. Um, and again, maybe sometimes a flat rate for uh, delivering against a set of deliverables in a scope of work is better than an hourly rate. So I just think, think through your value. Don't just default to, you know, I'm whatever per hour. Um, that's probably connected to, you know, having a specialty, which you can charge more for certain things you're really good at. Um, and then back to that earlier point, I think boring, boring is in. I think, again, some of the best engagements I've had have been in, categories you wouldn't normally think of but are just super interesting to learn about and i personally love working with founder-led companies because hearing their journey and those initial sort of stakeholder interviews um it's just super interesting to me to learn some you know i, I think that's we're all we're all attracted to this industry because we're curious so for me learning you know new industries that I'd never worked in and um, whether that's in the B2B side even um, is, is just super, super interesting. So I wouldn't close any opportunity off just on face value. Once you dig into it, I think you'll find there can be a super interesting challenge there. Awesome. And sorry, was there a third in that or did I miss it? You well, I kind of put two together, which was adjust your value, but also kind okay, of have okay. a specialty, you know, have a specialty, I think. It's okay to be generalist, but I think if you can be really good at one area and that sort of total spectrum of what brand strategy represents, I think you can charge a premium there. Yeah. 
Interesting. And I, and I, um, really relate to that first point as well, because I remember kind of when I was first getting into it and, and I know that, you know, people who are thinking about it or are new to freelancing as well, it, it, it can be really basic questions like things like, what should I charge? Like, yeah. is there, yeah. is there going to be enough work? Like, um, you know, is like, how do I live without benefits? <laughs> like, you know. a, <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're, they're yeah. The fundamental questions. I mean, it is a mind shift, you know, you've got to get used to the idea that, um, you do have to hustle a bit, you know, uh, again, there's, there's lots of work out there, but it is up to you to just, you know, network for one, one of a better word and pursue opportunities and, um, but, you know, connecting just leads to those opportunities and it alleviates some of that sort of initial, uh, fright of like, I'm on my own, um, because you're not. And I think there are a ton, as I say, it's a super supportive community, but you do have to lean into it, um, to make the most of those sort of opportunities to collaborate together. Yeah. And, and, and just to like plug you both, uh, for a little bit as I will, um, there's actually a freelance channel on the APG Slack, which, which I started. And actually the first thing I put on there, which I thought was really helpful because it was like the one big elephant in the room that I had as well was like, well, how much should I be charging? <laughs> um, and actually, uh, Heidi Hackamer, um, put together, who's a, you know, a quite a well-known strategist in the U S actually put together, um, a, a bit of a like rate guidance for people based on their years of experience, which I thought was like, just really helpful. Um, and then, and then similar to kind of what you're saying, I think there are, you know, beyond the APG Slack community, um, there's, there's lots of other, uh, Slack groups, uh, that you can join to, you know, connect with other freelancers. There's one even that I um, have heard of called leapers, which is specifically focused on helping to maintain the mental health, um, of freelancers to make sure that they, I, they believe that they actually work with different agencies and with different clients to provide them with a different package, um, you know, to help kind of onboard freelancers and to make them feel a part of the team and, um, you know, make sure that, you know, people are setting healthy boundaries and all that sort of thing. And, and, and I even remember, I think it was Manulife or someone that had recently launched, um, uh, Darla actually, M was uh, talking about it a little while ago, um, where you could get like a discounted rate for things like healthcare and, and dentistry and all like things which you completely take for granted when you're full time. Um, well, I, I know that, you know, again, I'm sure that on that Slack group, it's great just in terms of the fundamentals like billing and invoicing and, you know, bookkeeping. There are great, whether it's, you know, Wave or FreshBooks or whatever you use, there's great software out there now to help with that side of it, but you just need somebody to point you in that direction. Um, you know, so, uh, there's, there's tons of great resources. Um, and also just the, the last thing I'd say as well is it's a bit, you know, when, especially if you're working with, when you're working with agencies, it's pretty straightforward, but working with clients as well as don't assume they know what the hell brand strategy is, <laughs> strategic planning is. I think that's a lot of big part of my job when I, first chapter clients, you know, that aren't you know, traditional, as I say, sophisticated marketers that are just really successful businesses is explaining what it is you do and, and the, the value of that and how it's going to benefit them. So, you know, again, don't on those, when you have those initial calls with those kinds of businesses, just don't assume they know everything you're talking about and just break it down for them and, and or what they're going to get out of it in terms of deliverables and, you know, there's always been a bit of a black box around 
strategic planning and how much it costs and, and what comes out of it. So the more you can simplify it for people and take away, you know, a lot of this sort of language that might confuse people, um, the better as well. Yeah, I, I think that's really important. And you, you touched on it a few points there. Um, you know, it, it, I, I'm always astounded by the fact that we are branding professionals yet are so poor at branding ourselves. Yeah, um, and I mean, yeah, like I love your reflection, especially because as you move into freelance, you are a brand like you need to be able to kind of build and think about what that is. Do you have any thoughts on that? So funny. Like I remember years ago, I'm talking 20 years ago, um, when fast company was first launched and there was an article called the brand, the brand called me. And I remember, um, sharing that and Mark Fitzgerald, great creative guy in the community. And I really got jazzed by this article because it was literally how you position yourself as a brand. And I remember actually recreating my resume at the time to, to talk about myself as if I was a brand and, you know, reasons to believe and core value proposition. And, and, but you're right. I think that's kind of a little bit of what you need to do. And I think some strategists in the freelance community are great at that. Um, you know, they've created the equivalent of a portfolio that creative people used to have in terms of um, a website that clients and can go to to understand a bit about them, understand the kind of projects they've worked on, have even press clippings and uh, references from clients, and and it just brands them as an entity. They they feel you know like this is like an agency of one, um, and it's a legitimate partner that I'm bringing to the table. So I think that's super important. Yeah, and I and I think it almost rounds back to the beginning of this conversation where you were saying um, that people are finding that they can kind of be more choiceful about the types of projects that they take on and stuff. And and that to me is really about knowing you. Like back to this brand yeah. called me. It's like, what are you good at? What are you not? What are you interested in? What are you not? What type of people do you like to work with? What kind of hours do you want to keep? Um, maybe a bit of like self reflection there. A thousand percent. And that was, you know, when I was starting to think of, you know, what to do with this, with yes and, and this, this sort of next chapter, a lot of what I wrote down was exactly that. It's like, what do I like to do? Which is collaborate with people. <laughs> and what kind of people do I like to work with? Um, what kind of, you know, personally, what kind of industries and, and clients am I interested in working with? Um, and just being more choiceful about that because Again, back to the whole where we started with COVID, we're all taking control of our lives a bit more and the mental health uh, side of our lives as, as well as the having more time for I mean, physical fitness side. Um, and that mental health is comes from understanding what, you know, what makes you tick and what gets you excited and what keeps you motivated. Um, so spending, putting the time in to sort of build your brand and, and do some sort of a brand audit on yourself, if you like, to understand that is super valuable. And sorry, I keep saying I have one last question, but I'm finding this conversation <laughs> so interesting. Um, the other thing that it makes me think about um, that I find especially interesting about freelance is I think for so long and kind of the old school mentality is there's only way there's only one way and and it's up. And and yet I see more and more people choosing to go sideways, as it were. Um, and it may not be forever. They may try to go sideways and then go up and go back or do whatever they want later. Um, 
but it's like this permission. It feels like that we're starting to give ourselves, um, for work to be a, you know, even like a part of life as opposed to our entire life. And, and and just, just interested on that. Like there's actually some really big trends that are part of the reason, you know, beyond, you know, that, that you're awesome at what you do and people love working with you that are, I think, propelling this, um, you know, freelance market, which is kind of, you know, what we talked about before in the beginning in terms of like COVID and and all that sort of thing. I'm blown away every time I meet, you know, a big part of what I do is just reaching out and, and connecting with new strategists because I need a large network because again, people can only take on so much work. So on each project might have to speak to three people to find someone to fill an opportunity. Um, but I'm just always blown away and especially the younger people, how mature they are in that, that respect that they, like I said at the beginning, they, they've got a value system and they decide against that, what they're comfortable working on. And they trying to, you know, balance their sort of how much they do work and what they work on. Whereas when I grew up, it was always like, got to be moving up, got to be, you know, and that part of the attraction, quite honestly, in the agency business was this, there is no distinction between life and work. You know, you're staying at the office late, you're, you're hustling, and then you're rolling into drinks after work there. All of which, you know, don't get me wrong, there's fun sides to that. But I, I think that, um, I think it was Cassette who did that campaign last year. Um, I'm not sure if it was that connected to, um, I'm trying to remember what that was connected to, but you know, the, the sort of little character they created talking to somebody sitting in the, in the office working away. And, and that mentality was just ingrained for so long in, in the agency business, um, which wasn't entirely healthy. And I, I think there's a healthiness to the way people view work now, um, that it doesn't define them completely. Um, it's part of them and they, they, they want to, they need to earn a living and they need to get satisfaction from that, but it's not everything. Uh, and I think, defining yourself just by title um, and your career is, is sort of feels a bit old school now. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Trent. I've really enjoyed this conversation and I, um, you know, of, of the little that I know of you, um, I think that your name is really reflective of the way you like to work. And I'm sure that if any of our listeners, um, you know, want to reach out and have any other questions or want to bounce some thoughts off you that you'd be collaborative and open to that. So. 100%. I just love meeting people. That's one of my core brands. I just am super curious and love, uh, love meeting new people. So yeah, I'll be happy to talk to anyone. Awesome. Great. Thanks again so much for your time. Thanks so much, Michelle. Thank you for joining this week's episode of Grow Up. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, share the episode, and leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts. Next week, we'll be catching up with Lisa Kimmel, Global Managing Director, Chair, and CEO of Edelman Canada, Latin America, and Global Women's Equality Network on how to be an inspiring leader. See you then.